The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks your climate-focused podcast produced by the team at republicen.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson. Today's guest is a special one for me, and I'm so honored he agreed to be on the show. Former Senator Joe Lieberman is the through line on all major climate change legislation that has attempted to move through the U.S. Senate. With a passionate and pragmatic approach, Senator Lieberman knew that in order for climate policy to be durable, it had to be bipartisan. The longtime member of the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee has been engaged on this topic his entire Senate career, working with the late Senator John Chafee, my former boss, by the way, on a credit for early action bill in the late 90s. He worked on the infamous McCain-Lieberman bill of 2003 and 2005. He worked on a climate bill with my other boss, the late Senator John Warner, in 2007-2008. And after Senator Warner retired, Senator Lieberman looked to his other friend, South Carolina's Lindsey Graham, whom he came close to introducing a bill with in 2010. Senator Lieberman and I talk about bipartisanship. We talk about his stellar climate career and the crisis in Ukraine today and why energy independence is so important. Listeners, don't go away. Coming up next, my conversation with former Senator Joe Lieberman. Welcome back, listeners. It is my greatest honor to be here with Senator Joe Lieberman, who has long time been an idol of mine, someone I had the pleasure of working with in the Senate with my old boss, Senator Lieberman. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, great pleasure, Chelsea. Good to be back with you. Uh, your old boss, John Werner, was just a dear friend of me. And one of the one of the real bonuses about being in the Senate, people ask me repeatedly, of course, or do you miss the Senate? Or these days, they say, oh, I bet you don't miss the Senate. <laughs> so, um, I, I, you know, I had the honor to be there 24 years, and I wanted to move on to another chapter of my life. But I, I do miss the, the people I served with, including John Warren. Of course, he's gone now, but um, there, there are really some great people. So anyway, good to be back with you. And the great senators really wouldn't uh, be able to do anything without the great staff people like you. <laughs> I can admit that now that I'm not a senator. When I was a senator, <laughs> I just wanted everybody to think that I did it all myself. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like we lost a lot of big giants in the last year. Senator Warner, Senator Levin, um, Senator Reed, you know, on both sides of the aisle, obviously Senator McCain a few years ago, and and we'll touch on him. Um, but one thing the listeners don't know is that I am working on this um, idea for a book on the politics of climate change. And as I've been researching, Senator, one thing that just really jumped out is your presence from the 90s onward with every major legislative effort on climate change. And each one of those efforts was bipartisan. And you know, at Republican, we often like to say that, you know, for any climate policy to be enduring, it has to be bipartisan. And you recognize this early on. Well, thanks. I mean, I, I, um, I tried to. And listen, this goes back and real briefly. I was a state senator during the 70s uh, in Connecticut. And this was the time when the 
environmental movement following Earth Day, which I think was in 1969, uh, really came into being. And uh, really most of it in Connecticut was bipartisan. Matter of fact, if I remember correctly, the Connecticut Department of Environmental Protection was established under a Republican governor, Tom Meskell, but with a Democratic legislature. So I brought that with me, not only to Attorney General of Connecticut, which was my next position, where one of our most important uh, roles was enforcing environmental laws, but also to the U.S. Senate. And when I got there, I my top committee choice at the outset was uh, to go on the environment and, uh, committee. And the new majority leader, George Mitchell, was good enough to put me there. And I had been reading a lot. And I, I began to be concerned about global warming, climate change. Um, I did some hearings on it, which the committee was good enough to allow me to do. But I also brought with me, which you, you've been kind enough to mention, this feeling that... Uh, um, it, it was obvious that you weren't going to get anything big done, <clears throat> or maybe any even anything small um, on something as um, uh, enormous as climate change and still controversial in the 90s, uh, unless you did it uh, bipartisan. But it was true uh, with everything. Um, you know, in the Senate, you, you, then more absolutely than now, but still, uh, you needed 60 votes very rarely you get 60 votes from one party. So I always try to work on a bipartisan basis, going back to the initial, which was quite modest, which was a credit for early action bill with a great Senator Republican from Rhode Island, John Chafee. And we had trouble getting that going, but it was such a simple idea. Someday we said, uh, we're going to really... begin to stimulate and reward businesses that change to reduce their uh, greenhouse gas, climate change emissions, and let's start a system now to incentivize them uh, by giving them uh, early credits. That is, when, when, when a registry of credits is set up, as it honestly will be, and they're rewarded in some way, we give them credit for what they do now. Uh, and we even had trouble with that. Uh, but that's, I continue to pursue it, um, unfortunately, without effect, but always without accomplishment as I wanted. And we can talk about why, but always with a Republican partner, Senator Chafee, uh, Senator McCain, Senator Warner, and then uh, Senator uh, Graham, Lindsey Graham and uh, John Kerry. Uh, and hopefully before long, before we all get swept up with rising tides or extreme weather, uh, Congress will do something about it. I'll just say a final word here, Chelsea. As I look back to those days I was in the Senate, it's not that um, the, uh, Congress and the government hasn't done anything. I mean, one of the things we did was increase fuel efficiency standards, so that reduced um, um, uh, climate uh, change emissions from uh, vehicles. But really, the progress is being made now, particularly in recent years, by the advance of technology in the private sector, sometimes stimulated by tax incentives uh, from government. But I'm talking particularly about electric vehicles and um, and wind and solar and a, a return of interest in nuclear. So it's not that no progress has occurred because little or no progress has occurred in the government. Um, 
people are getting this. And in some ways, the, the private sector has gotten it more effectively than the public sector. They probably wish you had passed that credit for early action bill. They would have, they'd be getting a lot of credit now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like we can't look back and say, I told you so. Senator, um, you referenced your relationship with Senator McCain, and that is really, you know, that for me as a young environmental staffer was like the first thing I really remember working on that was climate related was that first McCain-Lieberman bill in 2003. And and I've talked to Tim Profeta, and we did some recollection of how that all came about. But I'm just curious, did you go to Senator McCain? Did he come to you? Or were you guys just sort of hover? I know you were friends you just sort of saw that you had this shared interest in doing a bill and that's how it came about? Well, that's a great story and a a great question and a great story because it says in some ways how the system should work and it's a great uh, tribute to John. I mean, we um, began to work together almost as soon as I got there in 89, but he had been there a couple of years already, but particularly uh, in the early 90s on the on the uh, Gulf War of 91 on the on the uh, aggression genocide in the Balkans and and uh, we began at, uh, we, we agreed on almost everything about foreign policy and national security policy and when I went on the Armed Services Committee which I think was 93 uh, he and I worked together on a lot of stuff uh, there. But we also, uh, and we disagreed, this is the important thing to say, on a lot of domestic policy issues. Um, But when we agreed, um, we worked together on domestic policy. So this really started with John. I mean, oh, probably 2001, he came over to me at one point. Remember, he had run for president for the Republican nomination in 2000, which he lost to uh, uh, then-Governor Bush. And uh, he came over to me one day on the floor and he said, you know, um, during my 2000 campaign, a lot of people, particularly in New Hampshire, asked me uh, my position on climate change. And I gave him an answer. But honestly, I don't understand the subject and I didn't give him much of an answer. And I know that you have been active in this area and I'd like to sort of learn about it and see if we can do something together. So really it was his initiative. And uh, he and I and our staffs worked together for quite a while, but it, and it wasn't until uh, uh, 2003 that we introduced the first bill, but that's how it happened. Yeah. And, and as with, with John, once he was into it, he became a great uh, believer. He was struck um, not just by the science, which he wanted to learn uh, to to convince himself that this was a real problem, because a lot of people around him at home in Arizona were telling him it was nonsense. But uh, he was particularly struck by the pictures. And I'll never forget uh, when we first introduced it, he he wanted to have, and he did have a big uh, Bona picture, two things. One is satellite images then and now of uh, the poles, the the North and South Pole, and how significantly in the, over the years, the polar ice caps had diminished, uh, which he uh, attributed to uh, global warming, which of course I agree. Second was, um, he had a picture, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, it might've been Everest, 
and and it also took pictures of the uh, snow on the mountaintop, and you could see it over the preceding 10, 20, 30 years uh, going down. It was melting, and it was very compelling to him. So uh, we, we had a great partnership. We, got, we At one point, I think we got in the mid-50s <clears throat> or over 50 uh, votes in the Senate for our proposal, uh, but, but we never could break the 60. He did get some Republican support, but the Republican Party position influenced a lot, I'm afraid, by some of the business community, certainly not all, and the Chamber of Commerce influenced by some of their big members, particularly in the energy industry, um, blocked it. And uh, uh, so we, uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. I can talk too long. I, uh, we did get 54 votes on the Lieberman-Warner bill. Um, yes, we obviously, did. I'll right. never forget that. We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode. I think back and that was such a different time, right? We had so many more Republican senators who were willing to talk about this issue and be curious about it, right? So Senator McCain had a curiosity about an issue he didn't know anything about. And we don't see a lot of people today admitting, one, that they don't know something or they don't know everything about everything. And two, I feel like what you said about you and Senator McCain, and I'm sure it was the same as Senator Warner and Senator Graham, had a difference of opinion on many issues, but you found that Venn diagram of where you overlapped and you focused on that. And that's how you get things done. And you just don't see a lot of that happening today. And it feels to me like bipartisanship is, is broken, that it it almost becomes more of a liability when people hear you're crossing the aisle to work, you know, and it goes both ways, right? Both extremes look at that crossing of the aisle is a bad thing. And so how do we, this is way off the climate topic, but how do we get that back? Well, I mean, uh, if you look back at American history, going back to the Constitutional Convention, uh, it, it, it always happened across party, or as they called it, then factional lines. And, and it almost always involved compromise, uh, including some great moments in not so distant history as the Constitutional Convention. I mean, uh, President Reagan, Speaker O'Neill, uh, saving Social Security in the 80s, President Clinton and, and uh, Speaker Gingrich, really different philosophies. Um, working together on criminal justice reform, welfare reform, and ultimately the Balanced Budget Act. And uh, we worked together very hard um, uh, cross party lines. President Bush, I happen to then be the ranking member or chair of the Government Affairs Committee, which handled all the post 9 11 legislation with Susan Collins, first Fred Thompson. And uh, it just takes um, compromise. You can't get it all. Uh, uh, and if you, if you fight for 100%, you usually end up with 0%. Now, in the case of the post-9-11 legislation or Social Security, it was really a crisis. And uh, kind of you, the people in power were, were, were mandated to work together across party lines. And, you know, I, I say it to uh, members of Congress all the time who I keep in touch with, it, it's it's why you ran. And of course, they all agree. They don't like the partisan gridlock. That's not why they worked so hard to get to be members of the House or Senate. 
Uh, and a lot of them are unhappy. I, I said, not only will you feel better about yourself and what you're doing, but you'll have more fun. Uh, and there is some hope here. I mean, I, I'm happy to be chairman now, co-chair uh, with the Republican governor, uh, Larry Hogan of Maryland, I used to be with uh, Republican governor John Huntsman of, Huntsman of uh, Utah, of a group called No Labels. And I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but we worked very hard to support uh, centrist Republicans and Democrats who are, as we call them, problem solvers. We've got now a House Problem Solvers Caucus, 58 members, 29 from each party. And in the Senate, we have a, a, we call it a centrist coalition. Senator Manchin and Senator Collins leading it. Ten regular members, as many as 10 others joined. They're the ones who came together um, to, to really bring up the bipartisan infrastructure reform bill, um, which passed. And uh, everybody claims credit for it now, including President Biden. He had a hand in it uh, in the final stages. But that's the way Washington should work. So it can, but you got to have the guts to say no uh, to your party, to some big money givers, to the, to the cable networks and the social media who are trying to tear you apart mm. and say, uh, this is why... My people elected me in my state or district, and damn it, I'm going to work together. And I always say to people, look, at the end of your career, do you want to say, wow, I managed to get reelected to the House or Senate three or four or five times? Okay, I didn't do much, but, or do you want to say, you know, I took some risks and I got some really good things done because I worked across party lines. And uh, obviously, the choice I urge on them is the latter. Well, Senator, I thank you for your foresight in doing that over your long and esteemed career, reaching across the aisle, working on the tough issues and the current work I'm familiar with at Noble Labels. I really hope that with the climate being the crisis that it is now, right, the IPCC report yesterday, the day before the um, listeners that we're recording, really painting a dire picture. And if we don't act soon, um, and, you know, things are different today than they were when we were doing the, the Lieberman Warner bill. The chamber was against us. Now the chamber wants a price on carbon. So, you know, the the opponents have evolved. I feel like the politics hasn't quite caught up to both public opinion and corporate opinion. And so it kind of needs to get there. And I just hope that others will follow your the role that you have played over the years and that they're seeking you as a mentor because I think we need some of these you know, newer lawmakers to see and talk to people who, who like you have, have done that throughout their career. Uh, thanks, Chelsea. I really working to try to get this bipartisan group in the house and Senate to try to get some things done. Maybe it's going to be small steps at first to deal with uh, climate change. The, the, um, it, the dialogue has changed um, in, in the political sector uh, and it shows this is a societal, um, meteorological, economic, military mega problem. Uh, but it, but in the end, it takes politics to uh, improve it. Or in the case of the marketplace, it may take entrepreneurship, innovation, and maybe a sense that there's a market for it, which clearly, for change, which there is. But the the old days in which a lot of people were saying this is all a, fraud there is no climate change that that's over 
most people in Congress accept that it's a problem. And then the question is, what are you prepared to do uh, through the government to make it better? The, the Biden administration has uh, advocated some. There were some uh, climate change uh, measures in the bipartisan infrastructure bill. And uh, um, and that uh, that was good, and uh, hopefully that will continue uh, across party lines. Yeah, well, and we're seeing in the um, in the Russian Ukraine conflict right now too. Uh, one thing that really struck me was looking at how much the European Union relies on natural gas from Russia. And so my first thought was, well, gosh, if they were doing, you know, whether it was nuclear renewables, doing more to make themselves energy independent. And that is, you know, a phrase that I know you used a lot with my old boss, Senator Warner. You guys talked a lot about energy independence. And I think that this this war we're witnessing on social media and everywhere now, you can really see war in a way that we never have before. But to have that underlying thread of of energy being at, at the center of it is uh, really fascinating. And I hope that those European na- nations are able to find a way to divest themselves of, of Russian natural gas and that Ukraine will prevail in the, in the war. Absolutely. They seem to, their eyes seem to be open. I mean, there's a lot of uh, sensitivity and concern about climate change in Europe, probably more than here. Uh, but they also have allowed themselves to be dependent uh, on gas and oil. Uh, from Russia and other places uh, without doing enough to diversify um, their energy sources. And I think the, 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 uh, Putin's uh, uh, egregious uh, invasion of Ukraine has really uh, opened people's eyes and minds and hearts and uh, about him and about the danger of just sitting back and assuming that uh, uh, the bad old days will never come back. But but there's also an opportunity now and a, a chance that uh, this this feeling will move over uh, to the energy sector and to the concern about climate change. I, I sure hope so. Yeah. Well, thank you again for your time and your dedication over the years. And I really enjoyed this little walk down memory lane. Okay, and me too. Missing, miss Senator Warner so much. It was so sad to lose him last year. Um but, you know, very honored to have worked with him and with you and uh, would love to continue the conversation as time goes on. Thanks, Chelsea. I want to say a last word about uh, John Warner. I mean, he was a great legislator, great. Uh, we worked together on some big uh, national security matters. We, we co-sponsored the resolution authorizing the war in the Gulf and then again, the Iraq war, which at that time had uh, strong, both had strong bipartisan support. But I, I want to say something about John that uh, in all the reasons given for uh, the lack of bipartisanship is not mentioned enough. John was a very gracious person. He, he was civil. He, he was very gentlemanly. And uh, he, he was not the sort of person to go out on the floor or behind somebody's back and spread some foul rumor or and he greeted everybody with a, a, a kind of respect, even courtliness. McCain, McCain referred to him, uh, John Warner, as the squire of, uh, <laughs> of uh, Virginia, the Virginia squire. Uh, so uh, in the end, um, and political scientists don't really write about this much, the Senate is 100 people 
going to work at the same place every day and your um, ability to get things or not that is dependent on how your colleagues feel about you and how you treat and therefore how you treat your colleagues and John was the ultimate in treating every colleague of both parties uh, or no party in the case of the independents <laughs> with uh, respect and uh, a kind of kindness and uh, that, that's part of his wonderful legacy. So God bless him. Bryce, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you very much. You have a great... Listeners, I hope you all take to social media to wish our amazing producer the best of days, even though you'll be hearing this. It'll be after his birthday. But, you know, it's never too late to get... Nice wishes from somebody. Especially a nice song with your incredible singing voice. I Something tells me that you can go just karaoke and jam it out, Chelsea. <laughs> um, I might have to have a few beverages before I'm brave enough to do karaoke. <laughs> go to karaoke song. Ready, set, go. Oh, gosh. It's been so long since I've done any, you know, anything Billy Joel. I can just, I, I'm an 80s girl. Anything 80s. Madonna, Billy Joel, um, all that sort of pop rock 80s stuff is totally my like sing out loud jam. So there you go. I like it. What I also like is uh, contest winners. And we've got a contest winner again for yes. our weekly contest, folks, that I'll let you tell all the details. But it's quite simple to sign up and a chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card that we will email to you simply for listening to this podcast. I don't know how easier we can do this to, to tee it up for you folks. We appreciate everybody listening, but Chelsea, take it away. Explain our contest again for those who might be listening for the first time. Well, every week for season four, we are giving away one $25 Amazon gift card to the uh, person chosen at random from among all winners who answers one question about that this current week's show. Mm -hmm. So the question that we asked about um, the last week's show um, with Mr. Garbarino mm -hmm. <laughs> was um, what event, um, what natural, um, what weather event significantly sort of um, gave him a look into the impacts of climate change and really impacted his district. And the correct answer was Superstorm Sandy, Hurricane Sandy, you know, in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, and our winner is Shane V from Virginia. So Shane, congratulations. If you're listening, you will probably have already gotten an email from me by this point, but um, so excited to draw your name and have a winner and I'm excited, Price, to give the question, to pose the question for this week's episode. Before you pose that question, just mark this down. If you are sitting there listening at home, your desk, in the car, jot down republican.org forward slash quiz, Q-U-I-Z, republican.org forward slash quiz. That is where you will enter your answer each week. And be randomly picked to win the gift card. All right, with that housekeeping out of the way, let's get to this week's question. Okay, well, as you know from having heard the episode, um, Senator Lieberman is somebody who just has really been on the front lines of um, climate policy in the Senate for his time there. He retired after um, 
in 2012, but mm-hmm. for the, I think he said 28 years, the, the, the amount of time that he was there, he really was just involved with this issue from the start. So my question to listeners is what four Republican senators at different times did Senator Lieberman collaborate with on climate policy, on bipartisan climate policy? There you go, republican.org forward slash quiz. I've said it so much, I'm you know falling over my own letters now. <laughs> Say it three times really uh, fast, Price. <laughs> get it in your answer. Get it in quick because we, we will take all uh, correct answers, and then we will randomly pick one winner from the correct answers. It is that easy to win a free, easy $25 gift card to Amazon from us, and we will send it to you as we pick a winner. So thank you, Chelsea, and thank you to all our listeners for listening as we you know, direct you every week because we, we love you all. We love everybody that's helped uh, help us grow over the years. Uh, we would love for you to help us even more by giving us a review at Apple Podcasts, which is one place that you can listen. You can scroll down at the bottom of the EcoRight Speaks when you go and hit subscribe or where you listen to your weekly episodes. And at the bottom, you can give us however many stars you like and a comment. We would love to have them. Um, it makes the podcast easier for others to find. Uh, so we appreciate all our listeners downloading, listening, subscribing on whatever it is, your favorite podcast app, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, uh, Google Podcast, or you can go to our, our website, republican.org forward slash podcast and listen to every episode right there. With that said, I want to thank some of our new members this week, Chelsea, before we look ahead to next week's episode. I want to thank Samuel T. in Indiana, Dwayne W. in Florida, Marie R. in Mississippi, Kathy D. in New Mexico, and last but not least, Ronald B. in Massachusetts. Thanks to everybody who has signed up and is jumping on board with us at republican.org forward slash join. It's that easy. You'll see a big button right on our website, and just hit that join button, and it takes you all of seconds, much like it does to register with a correct answer to win an Amazon gift card. So, Chelsea, what do we have next week here on the EcoRight Speaks? Uh, So next week we have retired meteorologist Jim Gandy. He is going to be talking to us about some of the impacts of climate change that we don't normally think about, but price, they really scare me. Like, uh, killer poison ivy gone crazy. I am so allergic to poison ivy. I swear. I I know this is not really how it's transmitted, but if I walk by it, it blows a breath at me and I get it. I don't even feel like I have to touch it. I I just get in its proximity and the wind picks up in a certain way. It blows the oils onto me. And then I get, I don't just get a rash where I touched the oil my body has muscle memory and I get a rash everywhere that has ever had poison ivy. So Ooh. it's super terrible. So the idea that climate change is making poison ivy worse, well, listeners, you're just going to have to tune in to hear what Mr. Gandy has to say. Not your typical meteorologist, Jim Gandy, out of uh, the Columbia, South Carolina air- area, now retired. But it will be a little bit uh, a different, per- like you just said, something a little bit different from a meteorologist joining us, which we've had a lot of the great ones over the years. Uh, so many great friends at or meteorologists that have joined us on the climate side of things, and this will be a little bit different perspective. So I can't, I cannot wait to hear uh, Jim Gandy uh, talk about some of these things. That uh, is, is pollen season here in South Carolina is almost in full bloom. It has started to show up. I mean, it's we're not just days into March, and here we go. The spring weeds are popping up in the grass, and pollen is 
popping up uh, all around because of how warm it's been. Um, Chelsea, on that note, let's get out of here. Excited to do this again with you next week. Don't forget, download, listen, subscribe, whatever your favorite podcast app is, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Pick one, just search the EcoRight Speaks, Speaks in the search function, and you will get a new episode downloaded to your smartphone, tablet, whatever, every Tuesday. We thank all our listeners for listening, Chelsea, and until next week, we will see you then. See you then. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the EcoRight Speaks podcast, brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.